And joining me right now here on the Mark Moses Show, I've not talked to this guy in a while. He's been busy. He's my good friend Chris Pirtle there at Vero Beach. we got much to discuss. As he wants to chime in on Championship Sunday. Chris, how you doing? Doing good, Mark, and you're right. We've got a lot to discuss. Well, on Facebook last night, you post this photo where you got a Detroit Lions polo on. What? How many teams do you root for, buddy? I can't keep up. Well, I've, I've got a couple, Mark. I mean, I think we, you have to have some alternatives. Now, I have heard you say on the Mark Moses show that, you know, people should only have one team. And I guess I never got that rule book as a fan that says you're only supposed to have one team because you're right. I've got three or four. All right. The Jaguars are number one in your heart, correct? Correct. All right. But then your son lives in Cincinnati. So you also root for the Bengals, but why do you root for the Lions now? Well, you know, me, and I would imagine, Mark, if I had to guess, I think the same thing probably happened to thousands of other people in the summer of 2022 when Hard Knocks was uh, on and they featured the Detroit Lions. So that would have been going into last season. It was a season the Lions came off of going 3-13-1, Dan Campbell's first year on the job in Detroit. But after that, you kind of felt like this was coming, Mark. Uh, there was some excitement brewing in the Motor City. There was so much excitement, I even found myself in Detroit for a game last year. That's how excited I was about this team. And here we are about 13 or 14 months later, and this team is on the verge of going to the Super Bowl. Is hell frozen over? Because that's what it sounds like to me. It it sounds like it, Mark. But, you know, this is no accident, Mark. This is a team now that is 20-6 and in the last 14 months. You know, and had it not been for a somewhat of a questionable call by one of the referees in Dallas four weeks ago, that record would actually be 21-5 and in the last 14 months. It would actually be 15-4 and this season. And they would be hosting the NFC title game yeah. instead of having to go to San Francisco. Still, like I said, 20-6 and six in the last 14 months. I think that speaks for itself. What did you think of the Lions' performance then against the Buccaneers on Sunday? You know, I, I was impressed because the Bucks were as hot as anybody. They were 5-1 and one going into the game. Um, and so they were just about as hot as anybody. So I was impressed by that. And I was even more impressed the week before, even though they only beat the Rams by one point, I thought the Rams, another team that was really hot, I think they were around five and one in their last six, uh, a team that had, you know, the rookie wide receiver with 190 yards that day. So I thought to beat the Rams who were highly motivated and pretty healthy, uh, that day, that was also an impressive victory in my opinion. Do you believe in Mr. Goff, number 16 for the Lions? Yeah, I do believe in this guy, Mark, because Jared Goff, if they can get this done, and of course he's going home. He played his college football about 48 miles from the stadium in Santa Clara. He played his high school football about 48 miles from the stadium as well. And Goff now is looking to become only the fifth quarterback, Mark, just the fifth quarterback in NFL history to take two different teams to the Super Bowl. He's in some pretty elite company if this can happen. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Kurt Warner. 
and Craig Morton are the only other four quarterbacks to have ever done that. But a couple things I like about this Lions team, Mark, I think they have the best one-two punch at running back when you look at David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. I would challenge you or anybody else to name a team left in the playoffs with a better one-two punch at running back. I think the depth that they have at wide receiver with St. Brown, Jamison Williams, and Josh Reynolds, the former Ram, stepping up, and in addition to what they get from tight end Sam Laporta, makes this the most dangerous offensive team left in the NFC. And uh, there's a reason I like the Lions to go in there and beat San Francisco this weekend. The game against the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield was getting success. He threw for 300 yards. He he was throwing the ball down the field. Now, having Mike Evans helps this scenario, but do you have that as a concern? You love the offense. What do you think of the Detroit's defense, though? Yeah, the the defense I like as well. I mean, they're they're right now this team is pretty healthy, clicking on all cylinders. It's going to be a challenge. Now, obviously, Mayfield had those two interceptions, one of those obviously being Mike Evans' fault. As good as Mike Evans was, he may have cost them the game with that interception. And uh, so, again, I think it comes down to, like a lot of these games in the playoffs, which quarterback is going to make the first mistake. In San Francisco this past weekend, we saw two dropped interceptions, which should have been interceptions by the Green Bay Packers. And had that happened, they would have won the game. Uh, but it didn't. And it turned out Jordan Love was the one who threw the interception. So just like a lot of these games in the uh, NFL playoffs, Mark, I think it comes down to which team has the quarterback that is going to make the least amount of mistakes. Now let's say this about the San Francisco 49ers too, Mark. Once a team that was unbeatable at home, they went a whole calendar year without losing at home, uh, mainly with Brock Purdy at quarterback. They lost that game to Joe Burrow and the Bengals about two and a half months ago. And since then, they're only 3-3 three and three at home in Santa Clara. You know, if the Packers would have won last weekend, they would have been two and four at home. So I think the Niners could be had. I don't think they're this unstoppable force that can't be beat. And again, that's why I like the Lions this weekend. Look, Debo Samuel is going to be huge because if he's on, he plays. That's a an offense that's super dangerous. But you're bringing up, you know, the Pack, Packers should have won that game. But McCaffrey made plays, and and that final drive. Brock Purdy made plays. I mean, that throw, I know you saw it. That throw he had to Juwan Jennings. It was a prayer. Jennings caught it, and that got them in the right direction. I, I, My concern is, and I want your take, Chris Pirtle, Vegas has this as a seven-point favorite for San Francisco as of today. Do you like seven points, though? Well, yeah, I love it. I mean, they were 10-point favorites against the Packers, lucky, lucky to win that game. But asking me, do I like plus seven for Detroit? Yeah, most definitely. Of course, I'm a, t- a person that thinks Detroit's going to win the game outright, uh, and I think those are way too many points. I do, too. I think I don't think they're giving up credit to Detroit. Now, look, that could change the more the week goes on. I don't like seven either. I, I really don't. Um, my thing with, with Goff, like you said, he went to the Super Bowl. He understands that division. He's taken on the Niners multiple times being the starter with the Rams. Is he Good your point. is he your X factor? Is golf the difference in this football game? 
He is, Mark. He was 21 and 20, 21 out of 27 the other day against Tampa Bay. Man. No interceptions. And again, I mean, that is to me so key. It's which one of these quarterbacks is going to blink first? Which one of these quarterbacks is going to make that first mistake? And whoever does, I don't like their chances of winning. So I think golf is a little smoother under pressure than Purdy will be. I give Purdy tons of credit. I mean, oh. it was me, Mark, and you you got the text messages from me to start the season, throughout the season, where I've been saying Purdy for MVP. So it seems like I'm kind of contradicting myself, but there's something about this Lions team that I really like, and uh, that's why I can't go against them this weekend. All right, here's the thing with Brock Purdy. I think he now is 3-1 and one as a playoff starter. Three and one. The one loss is because the Eagles injured him in the NFC Championship game last year. Beat, uh, let's see, he beat the Seahawks, then he beat the Cowboys. Then this year, you look at the playoffs, they had the bye, and then they just beat the Packers. Three and one, buddy, is a starter. Mr. Irrelevant. I know people were really critical of him in the game, but you got to give props to Brock Purdy, right? Most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, that, that, final drive tells you all you need to know about Brock Purdy. He did everything right, whether he had to pass the ball. He even had a big run where he got it down to about the 10-yard line. Um, So he did everything he had to do to win that game, and that's why they won. They're not winning in spite of Brock Purdy. They're winning because of Brock Purdy, and he definitely deserves credit, and he's played like one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the league all throughout the season this year. It's just funny where remember, Jimmy G took them to the Super Bowl. Then he started to get injured. He was inconsistent. So they said, we'll trade up with the Dolphins. We'll get Trey Lance. (laughs) Then Garoppolo keeps playing well. They keep going back to the NFC Championship game. They give up on Jimmy G. They go with Lance. He gets injured again. So they go back to Jimmy. It's so crazy. You think about that draft. You know this, Chris. Jimmy G... And then Brock Purdy, and they've still been consistent. They haven't been bad this whole time. It's crazy, isn't it? It sure is. You know, and you can't help but wonder how good they would be if they wouldn't have given up those picks that yeah. they gave up to get Trey Lance. They could have taken Parsons if they would have just stayed put at 11, I think, in that draft from the yeah. Dallas Cowboys. This is why wild to think about. But Purdy has been a godsend for them. They really have. So your pick is Detroit. We're here with Chris Pertle. Let's go to the other game. What do you think of this superstar matchup between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes? Man, this is about as good as it gets when you think about it, Mark. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens this year, obviously the most dominating team in the NFL throughout the regular season. I mean, it's not even close. You think about this, Mark. They beat the 49ers, Lions, and Dolphins by an average of 27 points. I mean, just cleaned their clock. It wasn't even close. Uh, clearly the best team left in the uh, NFL playoffs in terms of what they did in the regular season. However, the problem for Baltimore is they're playing a team that knows how to win in the playoffs. And that's where we are right now, obviously, is the playoffs. Uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs are 13-3 and in the playoffs since 2018, since he basically started in Kansas City. He's only been beat by two quarterbacks in the playoffs, Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. But the problem for Mr. Mahomes, though, Mark, is if he loses this game, he's going to fall to 3-3 and in conference championship games. That's not exactly Brady-esque. 
So there is a lot to prove for Patrick, as much as there is to prove for Lamar Jackson, who's only two and three in the playoffs, versus a guy who's thirteen and three in the playoffs. You better believe there's a huge chip on the shoulder of Patrick Mahomes, because if you go three and three in conference title games, that's going to look pretty average. And uh, again, a team that is driven, Mark, because you got to get that third chip to really be considered a dynasty. And with the rumors that Andy Reid may be on his way out, he's not going to coach forever. I think he's you know, pushing 70 years old. Uh, it's desperate times for the Chiefs to get this done. As, as strange as that sounds, but for what they want to accomplish in order to become a dynasty and not fall to 3-3 three and three in the AFC title game, you got to win this game. And uh, Steve Spagnola knows how to dial it up on defense. It's going to be interesting. Okay, I'll put you on the spot. Uh, what are the Buffalo Bills then, where they've lost now three times in four years in the playoffs? In anti-dynasty, what are we going to call it? They're, well, we, right now, Mark, the most consistent thing in sports is the Dallas Cowboys having a good regular season, building up some hope for their fans, and then just totally crapping out in the playoffs. About the second most consistent thing is the Buffalo Bills. So, uh, yeah, they're they're not too far behind. I'm still shaking my head. That was a disaster of a fourth quarter. I've never watched a game where, and I want you to get your take, the Bills feel like they've won. And I look at the scoreboard, I'm like, no, you're losing by three. Is that the feeling you got watching that game? Yeah, it was so weird. They start that drive with eight minutes to go, more than half of a quarter left in the game. And they're so worried about giving the ball back to Mahomes with some time to get down the field they just totally go away from their offensive game plan. Uh, but you know, one thing that's, that I got to give the Buffalo Bills credit for and Sean McDermott, who's to me is a great coach because before he got there, you know, the Buffalo Bills didn't even have to worry about making the playoffs. That's how bad they were. But if you look at their skill positions, Mark, I'm not impressed with the running backs they have. I'm not impressed with your – if Stephon Diggs is your best receiver, and I can't even tell you who – I guess Gabe Davis must be their second-best receiver. I'm just not impressed with what they have at the skill positions. And until they can bring in some real talent, I don't, I don't see them winning many playoff games at all. See, this reminds me of the Buccaneers when late 90s, early 2000s, where Tony Dungy got them to respectability, and they were making the playoffs, and then faltering – and then they got rid of Dungy and they brought in Gruden. That's what I think Buffalo's at right now, where they've gotten to the top and they need someone to get them over, just like get them over the mountains so they can win the championship. That's how I feel. How about you? Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't know if you necessarily need to make a coaching change like the Buccaneers needed to make. One thing the Buccaneers changed is they changed their receiving core. They brought in Keyshawn Johnson. They brought in Keenan McCardell. Yeah. And once they brought in those two guys, they won the Super Bowl. So a lot of it to me has to do with what you've got at the skill position. Now, coaching is a huge factor. I don't disagree with that. But I don't think Sean McDermott, the guy who took them basically from nothing to something over the past uh, six or seven years now, is the problem. Uh, but sometimes you have to clean house. Well, here's what I will say. Andy Reid was running circles around McDermott. He's just better. He knows how to win. McDermott doesn't. I, I feel bad saying that, but that's how I feel. My other analogy, because I know you're a big basketball guy like me, with Mahomes and the conference, we're starting to enter that zone where it's like Michael Jordan in the 90s, where the Knicks and the Hawks 
and the Pacers. They all had great teams. And then when it came down to it in the playoffs, Jordan would win. That's what it feels like with Patrick Mahomes. Is that fair if I go there? It's it's more than fair, Mark, because if you think about this, the Bills have beaten the can the Bills are three and oh against the Chiefs in the last four years yeah. in the regular season. Yet they're oh and three against yeah. the Chiefs in the postseason. And you know, Lamar Jackson, if they lose this one in Baltimore, he's two and three in the playoffs. Like I said, Mahomes is thirteen and three. If if Baltimore loses this and he goes to two and four, there's gonna be a lot of questions in Baltimore. So you know, even though I don't know if that's fair because you're playing against Kansas City and you're playing against a team that is on the verge if they win and if they win the Super Bowl of becoming a dynasty. So okay. it's, it's funny how it works, but I don't disagree with you, Mark. Some teams are built for the regular season and some teams are built for the postseason. And obviously, which one matters the most? We're here with Chris Pertle. We're talking some NFL playoffs. So the game's coming up Sunday. You like Detroit. Who's your pick for this between the Ravens and the Chiefs? Kansas City, I said it before the playoffs started, Mark, and I, it's well documented on social media that I picked Kansas City versus uh, Detroit. I think people also want to see the Taylor Swift versus Eminem battle, and uh, so I've got Kansas City and Detroit. It's so <laughs> I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous, but that could happen. As well, it really. But will people care about Usher as the halftime show if Taylor Swift and Eminem are there? Yeah, and you know, Mark, if it happens too, it'll give us a matchup of two number three seeds. Huh. Um, you know, last year we saw two number one seeds face each other when it was the Eagles and the Chiefs. The previous year we saw a couple of number four seeds face each other when it was the Bengals and the Rams. So it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. I'd love to see two threes play each other, um, but it's going to be interesting. Wait a minute. I think last year was Eagles-Chiefs. It was that one versus one. I think it might have been for the yeah. game. Yeah. They, yeah. Yep, they, they both hosted the conference title games last yeah, year. Yeah, that's what that was. I have something to tell you. Ravens are winning this game, and you know why? Because I think it's time. I think we have to put Kansas City away for a couple months. With the Taylor Swift story, I'm rooting for Lamar Jackson on Sunday. But I'm with you. If Kansas City wins, I would not be shocked. After what happened last Sunday, I, I, I completely could see it where Kansas City wins again. But I'm all in on the Ravens. I got to go for it, Chris. It's hard not to be, Mark. I mean, like I said, not only did they win throughout the regular season, they just clobbered teams. And they clobbered Detroit by about 30 points earlier in the season. So it's hard to root against those guys, and it's hard to uh, pick against those guys. Let's end with this here with my good friend Chris Pirtle. Did you see how Joel Embiid had 70 points last night? And then Carl Anthony Towns had 62. Two guys, same night. Did you see this? Yeah, I didn't see it until this morning. I wish somebody would have sent me the memo last <laughs> night that there was going to be these you know, huge scoring games. I might have tried to tune in. 70 points for Embiid. My first question was, how many free throws did he have? That's my first, my first question. 70! And what was the answer to that? I don't, you know what? I don't even know. I don't know the answer. But here's the thing. So Cat, he can shoot threes. Remember, he won the three point contest last year. He hit some threes last night. Embiid can't hit from the outside. How does this, how? How does this happen, Chris? 
Yeah, and it's weird. These players in Minnesota, why would we see so many guys in Minnesota score like 50 and 60-point games? I remember a few years ago, Corey Brewer, which I know a lot of Gator fans remember that name. He was on the two championship teams in 06 and 07 yeah. at Florida. He scored 51 points in a game for the Timberwolves a few years ago. So it's it's weird. It's something weird going on in Minnesota. Yes, there is. I like we live in a world where LeBron, Kevin Durant, Jordan, none of those guys scored over 70. Kobe had 81. What was it? Devin Booker had 70. And Damian Lillard had, what, 71. It's like, what? What are you talking about? Here is... Here is my final comment to you. So Chris Haynes, who covers the NBA on Twitter, put this out. Are you ready for this tweet, Chris? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Edwards, Desmond Bain, Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Jared Allen, Paolo Bencaro, Aaron Gordon, Austin Reeves, among 35 to 40 pool of players selected for Team USA roster, Ahead of the Paris Olympics. We have much to discuss, buddy. <laughs> we really do on this team. Austin Reeves, huh? <laughs> Interesting. I I feel like you need to come back on after so what we need to do is once we get through the Super Bowl, I might need you in the studio and we might need an hour where we break down how we're gonna put the team USA roster together. Are you game? I like that. I like that. We can do that. Yeah, because you need – see, this is the problem. LeBron and Steph are getting up there in age. Do we have to go younger as a roster? I think so. I think so. I All right, here's what I want. I want Draymond Green on the team. I know he's a loose <laughs> – I know he's a loose cannon, but no other team in the Olympics level – like, no one else has Draymond Green. He's American. I need him on the roster. Is that fair? That's fair. That's fair. I think we should bring in Draymond Green and maybe yes. let's have Popovich coach the team. So if any of the fans start booing, never mind. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think you need you need Draymond. Uh, I, Jimmy Butler, I like, but I don't know. He's getting up there in age as well. I don't know. I, yeah. All right, we got to think about this. Chris Graham, thank you so much for your help and have a great day. You too, Mark. Good talking to you.